I mean, we are in this kind of unprecedented times when yeah. things are changing at a rate that um, is really unappreciated. People don't realize that it's not just the technology, it's the rate. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we're we so used to this idea of kind of a pyramid of skills and workforce where there's lots of low skill individuals and lots of low skill jobs. And then as you go up higher skill, there's fewer and fewer, and, you know, just kind of that triangle. And what we're seeing is, you know, automation shrinking the base of yeah. that pyramid and it's the, the data sciences and some of these new technologies are growing the, the higher skill pieces. And what that means is if, if our workforce is still in that pyramid shape is there's a whole bunch of people at the bottom who are not gonna have work. And there's a whole yeah. bunch of jobs that are gonna go unfilled. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Uh, you may hear this from all of my podcasts, and I, I think it's getting like a broken record when I say, this is my favorite topic. That is my favorite topic. This other is my favorite topic. But I promise some topics are really, really part of the passion that I have about the advancement of uh, human development in the workplace and the role of HR uh, sort of in that quest. And definitely one or maybe a couple of my favorite topics include uh, all things innovation and all things reskilling and upskilling and all around this concept of upskilling and reskilling. So I'm very privileged today to be chatting with a great friend of the Hacking HR community, somebody who uh, you know, has drawn on years of experience working in the space of innovation, uh, you know, in his career at NASA for a long time. And, you know, thinking about technology, thinking about upskilling and reskilling, thinking about the underlying sort of principles of innovation to make all this happen. So Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, I am doing great, Enrique. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. And, and, I, and I think you also have a lot of favorite topics too, uh, <laughs> but I think upskilling and reskilling and uh, innovation are, you know, two of your, two of your cups of tea. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we are in this kind of unprecedented times when yeah. things are changing at a rate that um, is really unappreciated. People don't realize that it's not just the technology, it's the rate. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we're so used to this idea of kind of a pyramid of skills and workforce where there's lots of low skill individuals and lots of low skill jobs. And then as you go up higher skill, there's fewer and fewer, and, you know, just kind of that triangle. And what we're seeing is, you know, automation shrinking the base of yeah. that pyramid and it's the, the data sciences and some of these new technologies are growing the, the higher skill pieces. And what that means is if, if our workforce is still in that pyramid shape is there's a whole bunch of people at the bottom who are not going to have work. And there's a whole yeah. bunch of jobs that are going to go unfilled. And yeah. um, so we have to get better at keeping up with the pace through upskilling, lifelong learning, building it in everywhere we can. Um, you, you know, you've, you've probably heard me say over and over that we're in this big shift right now where the workforce is largely growing in the freelance areas. And yeah. in the next few years, we'll have more than half of our workforce will not be full time. And that's a, <laughs> that's a big shift. But what we're seeing is that upskilling is the name of the game. A lot of yeah. the people that are, are taking up this new mantle of freelance are doing it so that they 
can spend more time upskilling and getting the the, the yeah. more valuable skills. I uh, I was I was hosting a panel, and uh, it was of these kind of top uh, uh, freelancers at Top Coder, and uh, I asked one of them. I said, you know, you're a software developer, you're a freelancer, you 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 spend some time doing training because that that field is always uh, changing. How much of your time do you spend upskilling? And he, he kind of blew me away. He said 60%. Wow. And I was like, wait, 60%? How do you make any money? He's like, no, no. <laughs> because I'm upskilling to the, the, the cutting edge stuff, I can work 40% of my time and still be making five to six times what anyone else in Greece where he lives yeah. made. Right? So I'm not saying everyone's going to have to get to that level. Yeah. But you know, what's the average spend in an organization for training? $1,000 per employee per year? That's yeah. what I found when I researched it. It's about that. Yeah. And that's that's mostly security and compliance training. Yeah. It's not a even ethics up, and, right? you know, like, like, yeah, like the more process-oriented kind of like, uh, you know, corporate stuff. Right, right, exactly. And if, you know, the, the World Economic Forum came out with the report, the jobs report last uh, fall, last October. And it basically spells out, there's this huge shift of jobs going away and creation of new jobs. Yeah. And that in their estimates, they said in the next five years, 50% of the workforce has to get reskilled. And the yeah. scope of that reskilling is something like 45% of their job, which yeah. is truly amazing if you think it about is. it, because that means instead of one to two weeks of training for someone a year, you're talking anywhere from one to six months yeah. of training. And nobody's got budget for that. Nobody, yeah. nobody's budgeting for that. And so you have all these forces playing that really point to big shifts in how organizations work, how HR works yeah. uh, and, and what their roles are gonna be. Uh, absolutely, and, and, I, and I like the use of the, you know, uh, of the word forces in there, all these forces shaping uh, uh, you know, learning HR, the workplace and, and whatnot. And, and in fact, you, you mentioned something that I responded uh, also to a question that somebody asked me when I was speaking about these things. And, and this, you know, this person said to me, you know, Enrique, we've, you know, humanity has gone through changes in the past. What's the difference now? And I said, well, the, the pace is the yeah, speed. Absolutely. I mean, it is, we, we've gone through changes in, you know, through our, our entire evolution, but the fact that these are happening at a pace that is so difficult to comprehend puts right. a lot of pressure on all, all of us individually, but of course uh, in the workplace. Now, Steve, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, there's, there's this curve of exponential change in technology. And for most people who generally are not paying attention to the curve, they don't, it's imperceptible for them. It's, they can't see the change yeah. until it hits the inflection point where you're like, oh my God, where is all this stuff coming, coming from? Right. Right. I like to use the example of self-driving technology where nobody sees self-driving technology now. Nobody knows where they are testing it. Nobody knows what's going on with it. But there's, we're going to hit an inflection point where now, you know, overnight, basically people will see self-driving technology everywhere. So how can we tell people those sure. that are not following this trend, how can we tell them this is going to happen? It yeah. is going to happen. Uh, you know, that, that's actually how I lead off. I'm going to do a keynote next week and I've got this, this analogy of breaking the sound barrier, right? Yeah. And, and the sound barrier was so hard because it really was this physical barrier of air compression. And the airfoils that you used for subsonic flight, when you pass through that barrier, 
suddenly caused you to drop out of the sky and lose control. Like all the rules changed. And that's where we are. The, people don't realize 90% of all scientists that have ever lived on the planet are alive today. Wow. In the last <laughs> 20 years, we have more thing. than doubled the number of people that are, are coming out of secondary education. China and India have exploded with great universities and lots more highly skilled people. And the population has doubled in the past 50 years. In my lifetime, half of the world's population was born. And, and those people are starting to become part of the knowledge economy. They're, they're, they're using these building blocks like blockchain and open APIs and machine learning and 3D printing, and they're combining them into these, these solutions. So you have more technology development going on than any time in history, but you can't actually find it because it's so big and it's so vast and it's happening across lots of different domains. So one of my big passions is crowdsourcing and, and open innovation. And it's because those methods act like dragnets yeah, across yeah. multiple domains to find solutions. So when you talk about how do you keep up, I will say you've got to go find new methods yeah, and yeah. you've got to make that a priority because there's two kinds of disruptions we're talking about right now. The kind you know about and the kind you don't know about. So the train that you can see the lights coming towards you, that's, that's digital transformation and machine learning. If your organization isn't going as fast as you can to adopt that, somebody else is, and they're yeah. likely to take over what you're doing. Just look around at retail. The only reason retail is going away is because online shopping figured out a way to do that better. They reduced the friction for the customer to where they got what they needed faster, cheaper, and, and better quality. I yeah. went to a mall the other day, it drove me crazy. I had to walk around everywhere to find my clothes. I had to carry them. I couldn't find my size. No one was there to help me. I was like, why would I ever come back to a store? Yeah. That same thing is happening in every industry. Yeah. The other disruption is the technology that you don't see. And that's what you were just talking about with, with self-driving cars. There's so much technology going on, development, that you can't possibly see. It. And, and here's the trick to it. It gets cloaked because it's most likely being incubated and developed in another industry that you don't even understand or see or have a radar for, right? So a great example of this is uh, Gavin McClafferty. I was just chatting, chatting with him. He, he was the innovation guy at SubC7, which is this oil and gas firm, right? They do pipeline inspection, subsea pipeline inspection, and they would go out at a million dollars a day on a ship, basically lower a van-sized piece of equipment next to the pipeline, and then spend two weeks doing a pipeline inspection, right? They went out using open innovation, went out to find technologies that could do the same job, but try to improve them. They found in the mining industry, already in use, a handheld unit that could do that same job in two hours. Wow. And what Gavin told me was, yeah, we're gonna save a ton of money when we start using this. But the real thing here is that if their competitor had found that before them, they would no longer be that. They would be the taxi drivers being replaced by Uber, right? Yeah, they would yeah. be the, the, the hotels that are suffering because of Airbnb. Disruption is just right around the corner and you can't see it. And so you constantly have to be scanning for it. Yeah. You constantly yeah. have to be adapting. So yeah, it's crazy. This is, you know, um, 
Well, first of all, I believe in, 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 the, in the underlying principles of what you're talking about. And in fact, I, I recently created a, what I call an effectiveness, a nature effectiveness formula. And it has several components. And one of the components of this formula is you have to look for the trends that are HR or non-HR trends, but that equally affect the job that you do. Right. Um, one of them, I mean, the, I, I talk about four, uh, four driving forces of the future of work, you know, technological disruption, climate change, and the energy revolution. I talk about inequality. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think there are, there are elements, you know, like demographic shift, which is another of the elements that I talk about, this, the decline in population growth. And we know that the, our entire economy is founded on the you know, consumers and workers. And uh, you know, this may seem trivial for HR, or uh, they may even neglect it. But what I wonder is, what are, you gonna, what are we going to do when China starts declining population, which is going to happen this decade? And you know, all the manufacturing work that has been done in China for years, you know, what's, what's going to happen with the Chinese economy, which you know, will have effects everywhere? Another example that I love like talking about, which I, I know you 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 also mentioned um, uh, before, is the 3D printing technology and how that's going to disrupt the entire manufacturing sector yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And it's so important that we bring back to the to the table this idea that you talked, which is you have to be scanning for the things that are happening out there, whether there is a connection with what you do or whether you don't think there's any connection right, now, right. but there may be in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think when you're talking about HR, you're talking about you've got to have a much more agile workforce because that, that, that allows you to scale up and down uh, depending on what's happening in the market. And, and in fact, we've started talking about things of liquid workforce, right? Yeah. So how do you do that? And, and a lot of what we're seeing is the traditional hierarchies that use HR that have the mantra of recruit and retain talent, right? That's, that's what HR is, right? Yeah. That's, that's the airfoil in the subsonic flight that worked great in the last hundred years and is absolutely going to cause industries to crash. Yeah. We've got to switch to a network architecture where actually instead of the hierarchy, we're actually forming ecosystems of labor. And if you can't survive if you're acquiring and retaining talent because the skills are changing too fast and nobody's budgeted to upskill those people. And quite frankly, even if you budgeted for it, you probably couldn't get that same workforce to upskill fast enough in all the different areas. Yeah. And so there's got to be a way where we're gonna flex to this new kind of liquid workforce that's platform. It's not freelancers like we've had for a hundred years, right? Yeah. That those people, you know, they had to find their own work. They had a local kind of economy of who they worked with. It was, uh, they kind of paid their own bills. Now we're talking about platform-based workforces where there are platforms that, that recruit entire communities. They engage them in learning. They engage them in, in support systems, in teaming, and they match them with work opportunities using machine learning and AI. So, you know, if you go to PARO.io, which is, you know, finance and accounting, what Michael Burdick's algorithms are going to do for you is you'll say, hey, I need this particular expertise. His machine learning is going to run and it's, it's going to find you exactly the right person, not based on just a resume, but based on their digital exhaust that they have been emitting for yeah. the last five years. Yeah. Is anyone in HR using that kind of digital exhaust where you're not just saying, 
oh, they meet these five core competencies. You're saying this machine learning algorithm is looking at 500 different things about how quickly they work, how they work, uh, what nuances of those skills. And that kind of um, work matching is going to be so much more efficient. And it's going to allow those, those freelancers to only work on the things they love, yeah. right? How many organizations really provide that? <laughs> provide development Not too many. is going to be key, right? That lifelong learning and being able to support that there's going to be a shift in that community and it's not going to be all that one, right? It's, there's still a core organization, but they're going to have to reinvent themselves yeah, in yeah. a way that can, they can create ecosystems of these people and these new labors and, and really kind of get over the ego of full-time contractor, yeah. subcontractor, freelancer. Uh, if you look at what Balaji Bondili is doing at Deloitte, uh, they've actually put a system where it's actually uh, makes those facts about who you're looking for invisible. So you're looking for talent. You don't get to know if they're a freelancer or a core employee or a contract. They basically show up and you pick them because they're trying to overcome that bias that is in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, so it's really exciting. It, I think it is incredibly exciting. And, and as we wrap up this, this awesome conversation, um, you know, the flip side of the excitement of it is that these things are happening right now. It's not that we're not just talking about them as in this will be made, uh, yeah. you know, in 20 years from now, it's that they are happening right now. And when something is happening and you're not aware of it, then you're already late. Uh, exactly. So it's not, you know, so that that to me is is a little scary that, you know, right. the possibility of HR being so late for all of these conversations. So let me ask you one last question, Steve, to wrap up our chat. If there was one action that HR can take to not be late anymore, what would that action be? One? Uh, one, like the, like the, I mean, they can take 1,000, but the first one that you would say, begin your journey here. Yeah, I would say start trying to figure out your contingent labor concept. How are you going to bring in people that can help you prime the pump on getting those people worked in? Because a lot of our legal and, and regulatory structures are not built for that. And so, you know, people are going to try and it's going to be really hard. And, and, and yet there are organizations that have worked that out, yeah. right? And there are a lot more of these platforms that are, pre-certifying people that are getting background checks done, that, that, that literally are getting them to where they can digitally provision them onto their system quickly. But, but if you're HR, you should be trying that. You should be figuring out how do I use this new emerging workforce to bridge the gap that, I, that almost everyone's already seeing, which is yeah. I can't find the skills I need. Yeah. Right. I can't find the data scientists. I can't find the deep technical knowledge. H how do I do that? Yeah. Well, guess what? If you access these new resources, not only do you get them right, but as they start working with your team, they actually become a lifelong learning engine. Yeah. And yeah. people don't realize that. But when you bring in an expert to work yeah. alongside your team, you're giving them on the job training. Right. Yeah. And and. You know, I've even started to suggest to some organizations that they allow kind of like you, you they've recently allowed their folks to start working remotely, that they should actually kind of give them guidelines on how they can work in the gig economy. 
Yeah. Because that's actually going to open them up to learn a lot. We, we yeah. have such we, a- we, Without the company paying for it, without the company paying for it, it's just smart. Right, right. They don't have to pay anything. Yeah. Those people might actually make some money yeah. and they're going to bring that back. And if you allow yeah. them, you get to set the rules and you get to yeah. say, don't share any of our IP. Yeah, don't, absolutely. You know, do these things, just like we did for remote work, right? You yeah. have to have a yeah. safe environment. You have to have someone else taking care of the kids, all those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of thing can be a stopgap for people who need to get the lifelong learning going, yeah. you know, three years ago, they need to finish their trans digital transformation. They need to figure out this, this new work uh, resource out there yeah. and how to actually make it work for them. There's absolutely. a great book Paul Estes did called uh, the gig mindset. That's a good primer on yeah. that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is a great place to, uh, to begin and, you know, and, and as we wrap up, uh, I, I got a very short story. Uh, when I started doing Hacking HR, like about three years and a half ago, I invited a big HR, you know, leader at a, at a big company to speak at one of my events. And he said to me, I want to talk to you before, you know, uh, committing to this thing. And I said, you know, we talk over the phone and he, the first question he asked me was, was, why Hacking HR? And I said, well, you know, the concept of hacking is changing things from the core. And he said to me, I don't think everything in HR needs to be hacked. And he used the example of labor relations. And I said, it's totally the opposite. And now we're seeing that because of all these multiple diverse frameworks of work, now we yeah. need to think differently about labor relations. So anyway, you know, great, yeah. great way for HR to, you know, to, to accelerate their journey. So Steve, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.